Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing PR and marketing strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, How to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interview Marla Rose, an award-nominated journalist, columnist and author from creative agency Vegan Street Media in Chicago. Since 1995, Marla has dedicated her life to building vegan culture and community. In addition to writing most of the content and managing social media for the Vegan Street website, including a variety of creative and informative memes that are shared liberally across social media, she's the co-founder of the annual free vegan festival, Chicago Vegan Mania, which is now in its 10th year. For the past several years, she's been writing feature stories for magazines, including Veg News, and her popular blog, Vegan Feminist Agitator. In 2015, Marla and her husband John Beske, a graphic designer, created Vegan Street Media, a creative agency dedicated to bringing the most effective, professional and unforgettable communications to vegan businesses, services, product lines and non-profits. The agency helps clients with logos, packaging, campaigns, promotions, branding, social media, web development and consulting. Marla is also the author of several books, including the new cookbook and guidebook, Fun, Festive and Fabulous, Vegan Holidays for Everyone. Love that title. It sounds very upbeat. (laughs) In this episode, Marla talks about how she and her husband turned their skills and passions into a successful business. One of the key mistakes vegan businesses make in regards to treating their customers the quote from the Grateful Dead that informs her strong personal brand and the importance of finding your voice, how the power of being part of a community has resulted in regular business for vegan street media, the importance of using your personal profile and presence on social media to complement content you share as a brand, Why she no longer uses any images in her content that are not created by her agency, and much more. Here's the interview with Marla Rose from Vegan Street Media. Hello, Marla. Thank you so much for joining me. Katrina, this is such a pleasure. I've I've been a fan of yours for so long, and I, I was just like, Absolutely shocked when you asked me if I wanted to be on this show. <laughs> oh, how funny. Well, you know, look, the feeling is mutual. Like I say, I mean, you and I have sort of known each other online for quite some time, you know, in the sort of social justice circles. And I love your blog, the Fe- Vegan Feminist Agitator blog. Thank which you. Which is so entertaining, but also really smart as well. Um, and you're you. super talented, creative. So I'm really glad that we actually got to finally speak to one another, um, not just via email and what have you. So really happy to have you on the show. And um, we're going to focus today um, quite a bit on your actual business, which is Vegan Street Media. So you and uh, your husband, John, you're longtime social justice activists and also creatives, vegan pioneers. So I guess one of the the first questions, the first question I ask everybody really is what is the why? So why do you do what you do? And I'm thinking particularly the why behind your Vegan Street Media business. Right. Um, Well, John and I have been vegan since um, 1995, and um, I 
you know, had been a longtime vegetarian before that and then, you know, learned about veganism. And then John and I had been together for a couple of years by then. And he knows that when I get something in my head, he's like, okay, got to get with the program then. So (laughs) I called him on February 1st, 1995 at work and said, hey, John, I think we should go vegan because we, I just learned about it. And he's like, okay. And so, (laughs) so we've been vegan since then, um, for, you know, the animals. And we both come from a background in communications. John's in graphic design and art direction, and mine is in written communication, Um, even though at the time I was working in humane education. Um, So over the years, um, so we created Vegan Street, which is different from Vegan Street Media. We created Vegan Street in 1990. Eight slash ninety nine because I um, you know I loved doing the work I was doing in humane education but I wanted to work on behalf of all animals and so we created the original um, basis for Vegan Street two which we resurrected in I think it was like twenty ten but anyway we from like nineteen ninety eight to two thousand three or so we had you know. Um, one of the the first vegan websites and then it you know we let it be dormant for a while and then when we revived vegan street 2.0 um in 2010 there was this whole new world um that you know is could mainly be characterized i think uh with social media and i felt like with our backgrounds in um graphic design and communications it really was an important time for us to revive vegan street because I was seeing so many, um, memes and, and poor, I I was just seeing a lot of poorly communicated, um, vegan ideas on social media, either it was factually wrong or visually like a mess. And so (laughs) I wanted to bring back vegan street. And then See, it takes John and I a long time to figure stuff out. Finally, in like 2013, we figured John and I had our separate stuff going on. He had his graphic design business. I have a freelance writing business. And we're like, why don't we do this, duh, 20 (laughs) some odd years later for vegan businesses? Um, So (laughs) that's the long and short of it. It just like... you know, something can be right in front of our eyes and sometimes you don't see it. And um, finally, around 2013, we figured out we're going to create this entity, this agency kind of, uh, you know, um, that is creating communications work for um, vegan businesses and nonprofits because we really, we feel like as this is something that you've tapped into that the, 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 uh, biz- the vegan business world has evolved and emerged so powerfully that we need to step things up um, from a communication standpoint, make things look visually great, make, you know, make our um, copy really resonate with people. 
So that's kind of the long and short of it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I can relate to that to some degree as well. And it sort of follows similar to my path and, you know, similar to you, I've been a writer, you know, in journalism and then kind of, yeah, this, this sort of thing. And then you kind of think, oh, well, I've got these skills, you know, I can help people <laughs> do this and that could be a business. Oh, okay. You kind of think, <laughs> I love that you shared that. Though. It could definitely resonate with your journey. So, and I love that you've got, obviously got this perfect partnership. Like you say, you've got the words covered and you've got the visuals covered, which which is fantastic with you and John. So let's talk a little bit about branding and marketing. And sure. so, and, and I love that you said, you know, you don't necessarily come from this business background. And I think that's right. not even necessary nowadays. In fact, I think sometimes I've heard a lot of people say it can actually be a hindrance. Um, right. So I, just from your own experience, what do you think some of the mistakes are that vegan businesses make mm-hmm. when it comes to branding and marketing? And I know you've touched on that a right. little bit when you've said about the visuals and what have you. But yeah, what do you yeah. think are some of the key mistakes? Um, well, I think that that is one is just thinking that goodwill and good intentions will um, be enough. <laughs> and we live in a very, we're a very visual species, you know, um, and good products also stand for themselves too. So, um, so part of it is, you know, um, not holding ourselves to high standards. Um, of our presentation. Um, I I would say another thing that I've noticed um, is vegan businesses seem to either go into overkill with vegan, 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 vegan everywhere, like plastering and, and really, really niching themselves, or they're like, oh, there's nothing vegan about this product. Don't, 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 don't dare put that word on it. You know? <laughs> there tends to be sort of like, I mean, they're, 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 obviously this is, these are extreme polarities, but um, there, there, there tends to be kind of an insecurity um, around the word sometimes. And that can kind of lend itself to inauthenticity and trying really hard to avoid the word or, or just painting yourself all over the place with the word. So I think just relaxing into what your brand is and what you're offering into the world um, really um, results in a better communicated business. But I would also say another mistake I've seen um, it's when businesses rely a lot smartly um, on uh, the vegan market to get the early word out about their brands um, and knowing that vegans are very loyal and early adopters and cultural creators and that sort of thing, um, very savvy with um, technology and social media, but then are dismissive of vegans when they get out into the world. Oh, that's um, an interesting one. That's yeah. I mean, I yeah. see every day, but it is something that I've noticed of like re- relying on vegans to do the heavy lifting early on, and then being like, "Oh, we don't need your help now." Yeah, do you know what I'm I about? do. I do. I think that's a really, good, really interesting point, actually. Yeah, and so I think that that's a big mistake. Big, big, big mistake. Absolutely. Um, so, anyway. Because when, tur- when we turn, we turn. That's the thing. We're, we're exactly. all to begin with, but when you mess as, it up. <laughs> as you and I have probably witnessed firsthand, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that it is an ethic, ethically driven market. And, like, you can get away with 
anything practically uh, probably from someone who's going to decide between Tide, you know, laundry detergent or, you know, some other chemical laden brand. But with the vegans, um, we're all in or all out, it right. seems like. <laughs> you know? and, um, and if there is that sort of whiff of feeling disrespected or feeling like um, there's a lack of transparency, and you've probably observed this too, like when businesses get merged or get you know bought out by other ones, how there's always a lot of controversy around that. So I, I, I would say that like if vegan, if you're, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but like if, if you are kind of expect, you know, hoping that the vegan market will do a lot of the early promotion for you, you really, really need to stay consistent um, with your ethics, you know, because yeah very unforgiving if there's <laughs> any issues there for sure fantastic so marla what advice so if you've got a, a, a brand perhaps they're you know a small vegan brand they're just starting right. out and they they're not quite sure how to create a brand or you know decide on their messaging what kind of tips can you offer in that regard well i would say to know who you are spend some time figuring out who you are and what you're trying to convey and focus on creating a message and a design that are authentic to that voice and, and to, to, you know, you're going to be wanting to, you know, you're living with this business. You want to create a business that's like a friend, you know, um, and someone you really love and want to be around. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I would say, you know, it's almost, it, it maybe sounds like narcissistic or something, but create, that vision of what appeals to you and inevitably it's going to, you know, there will be people who are really drawn to that vision. Um, and I mean, obviously, you know, my, my own perspective is that when you try too hard to be everything to everyone, you become nothing. Yeah. Um, and you make no statement and you just don't, leave anything that people can hold on to. But when you have a bit of your personality, a bit of your, you know, your, your vibe in it, that gives something that people can connect with. And we are, you know, as a human species, we long for connection. We long for um, feeling a sense of, you know, community and, um, so I, I think that, you know, create, you know, when creating a brand, you know, really look within, find what's unique and wonderful about you and what you're creating and try to excavate that and try to bring that to the surface. Yeah, I love that. And I guess on, on, leading on to that, I mean, you have a very strong personal brand. Um, mm -hmm. So Marla Rose, you know, is kind of a, a personal brand, very strong. You know, you've got the vegan feminist agitator blog. You're very outspoken on social media about a variety of social issues, <laughs> including uh, you know, animal rights. And, and it's interesting. It's like, I think sometimes people get a bit worried, particularly in the business yeah. arena, or how much should I share? I was talking to a young woman actually at a, a dinner. It was at a sort of whole food plant-based meetup. 
about um, dinner and this young woman and she's only 22 and you know she was saying that she's into science she's doing a science degree and she's not sure about how vocal she should be online you know around mm-hmm. veganism and animal mm-hmm. rights in case that impacts her career and I suppose that's there's those kind of things as you know how much do you share kind of thing but I'm, right. I'm with you on you know I mean obviously you know keep it legal and, and right. what have you. but but basically yeah you know putting it out putting a little bit of yourself in and not being afraid you know to be all kind of conservative and business-like because that's what right I mean unless that's what you want to exactly out, yeah you know? yeah in that, in that case be authentic to that you know <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah I mean I think that like if I were um you know, trying to sell something it's like, okay, so, you know, the website and my social media presence really came about well before Vegan Street 2.0 and well before Vegan Street Media. And, but I really don't think I would have done anything different. I still would have been who I am um, on my blog and on my social media presence. And, um, but I think people have to find their own comfort level. And at this point, everything, all my opinions, everything is pretty much on the records. (laughs) I'm sure there's like screenshots in a million different places, but (laughs) of uh, some, some of the more controversial opinions about things. But I I do really think that, um, you know, a lot of it is really about finding comfort and security with your voice and and allowing that voice to emerge. And one of the things that um, sticks with me always is, you know, I I saw this interview once with, um, what's his name? Uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead. Oh yeah. And it was just a little snippet. And he said, you know, the Grateful Dead is kind of like licorice. Um, not everyone likes licorice. Some people hate licorice, but the people who really love licorice love licorice. And so we're kind of like licorice. <laughs> That's a lovely analogy. I like yeah. it. It's true. Yeah. Like it's not a great analogy for me because I hate licorice. But <laughs> I know what he means. We're like cilantro. And so, um, so I think it's just, it's a matter of sort of like, I think there's a lot uh, within when you start a business of making peace and comfort with the person you are and the person you're evolving into and that sort of thing. Exactly. And it helps to create a community around your brand as oh, well, sure. doesn't it? Because people can really relate to that, which I know is something that, uh, that you're quite big on. Yeah. Community is extremely important to us. I mean, I, when we're not doing Vegan Street, Vegan Street Media, uh, John and I are co-founders co-founders of Chicago Vegan Mania and we still work on that and you know it really is a hundred percent a labor of love there's no like um you know salary earned from it but it's really because we believe in the power of community and before we did the comfort uh, before we did um Chicago Vegan Mania we had um our local chapter of Earth Save that we co-founded to have monthly potlucks because I, I really believe, especially probably now in the era of social media, that like there's tremendous magic in meeting one another face to face and getting to know one another and helping one another out in person. So, um, but yeah, you can also foster these communities online. 
Um, yeah, so. yeah, for sure. And I think that sort of kind of leads on to some of the, the marketing type things. So that's obviously an offline marketing activity, even though it's a labor of love, because people right. keep seeing you, they associate you with various things. And then if they do need some help with their marketing, their branding or their writing, they, you know, more likely to come to you because they know you like you and trust you because of the stuff you've been doing out, outside of that. Right, right, right. So in terms of marketing then, so in terms of, I suppose, some of the online marketing, perhaps the the digital marketing, Mm -hmm. everything's changing at the moment. Facebook keeps changing its algorithm. Recently there's a brand new one at the time of this this interview. They're they're now uh, showing more from family and friends. Right. They're penalizing the brands in, in many ways. Things are constantly changing. So how can businesses keep up and kind of what what are the some of the key things they can be doing online that are perhaps evergreen I shouldn't probably shouldn't say evergreen but perhaps things that are just kind of decent long-term strategies regardless of how much things change I think that you know I think the way that you put that is really good and I think if, if anything this whole kind of Disarray, I guess the way to put it, the unreliability of Facebook um, has reminded us uh, or at least um, woken us up to the fact that you can't put all your eggplants in one basket. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, That that I think a lot of brands maybe relied a lot um, and maybe too heavily uh, and understandably on the free promotion that they were getting via Facebook. Um, So one thing I would recommend is, uh, so just keeping in mind that Facebook is not going to be what it was 10 years ago for businesses. (laughs) Um, It's just not, um, unless something major changes. Um, I recommend, and this is something I did just out of accident, um, is creating a strong social media presence as an individual um, so that you can supplement um, what you, you, you share as your business with your individual account. So, right. right. So your personal yes. profile. So exactly. Do you mean like, so Marla Rose shares vegan streets. Right. I mean, if they still do kind of, you know, they're smarter than I am. <laughs> so <laughs> the overlords at Facebook do, you, you can tell by how many people interact with the posts. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I do. I've <laughs> noticed that recently. Yeah. You, think, you think you're going to pull a fast one on Facebook. Think again. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that's part of it though, is to create your own presence that people still connect to your business, but your own presence on um, Facebook. Um, Another thing I would recommend is to be generous with sharing other people's work so that there's that spirit of reciprocation. Um, So, you know, maybe your friend has a great new retreat that she wants to share or your other friend has this amazing new recipe or whatever it is, just make yourself someone who is known for sharing great content, you know, and this is just um, both on your personal page and on your business page, uh, as long as it's, you know, content you really stand behind, you know. Um, so, you know, creating that spirit of reciprocation, I think, is, is a good one. Um, because it makes people more likely to want to share your work. Um, I think that using images helps um, stuff to be seen, even just a little picture. Um, 
it seems like some of these Facebook Live um, videos help to drive viewership to your page and maybe some some followings. Um, and I think we're all really trying to figure out the system, but it's it's ever changing and it's really stacked against business. But I think the main thing is really to find alternatives um, that complement what you're also doing on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. I'm afraid to ask for help. I mean, I see, I, I know myself, I tag people on posts. I try not to do it too often because it can get obnoxious sometimes. Um, but I'll tag people on posts to, to, to try to draw their attention to it. People who yeah. I know share good at content. And that's the other thing I would say is, um, and I don't know if this makes any business sense or not, but to not make your business presence on Facebook all about the sale all the time, but sure. no, yeah, knowing that you share good content. So like if you're just sharing you know, a news item or this or that, and people know that you share interesting content, um, they'll be more likely to remember to check back with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I think that's really good advice. And I think commenting as well when you've got time mm -hmm. on other people's, you know, in groups and stuff, it's like that. I think that advice you give about the keeping the personal profile, I'm so glad I did. I know quite a few people yes. abandoned their personal profile and were like, oh, follow me God. here on my page. And I get the strategy because obviously you're limited to the amount of friends you've got, but you can now just post publicly so anyone can follow you. Um, so I know. I'm glad I, I kept that. So that's really good advice, keeping that personal yeah. profile. Um, yeah. Fantastic. What are some of the challenges or how do they differ if someone's got a product-based business versus a service-based business, if there are any differences? You know, I have to be honest in that this is not necessarily my area of expertise because we have mostly worked with um, product um, companies. Uh, we haven't really had service-based companies um, through vegan street media, but um, I would say... I mean, this is just intuitively speaking. I don't know uh, if there's any fact behind this or anything, that, but I would think that a service-based um, marketing strategy would be more about the individuals behind it, um, less about the quality of the product, less about uh, necessarily ingredients and that sort of thing, but more about the values and the ethics. Got Does it. that make sense? Yeah. I, but again, this is not really an area of expertise for me. But I would say, yeah, like a service-based um, company, you really probably want to bring out that, the individuals or the individual behind it, you know. Got it, got it. Just want to chat back uh, briefly mm -hmm. on the sharing of content. So we talked about, you yes. touched on images and videos. Now, there's a particular strategy that some brands use whereby they download, say, an image or a video that someone else has created and then they re-upload it on their own channel. So when it gets shared, it, showed mm -hmm. as that, it shows as that brand kind of sharing it. Now, some of them are, have become more ethical now, and they actually, they'll credit the original source, either in the post itself or, you know, at the bottom of a video or somewhere mm -hmm. on the picture. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that strategy? I mean, obviously, if they're taking mm -hmm. it and not crediting it, we know that's right. not cool. That's just stealing someone's work. What are your thoughts on doing it and there's some kind of credit, even though the shares oh. kind of technically going to the... Oh. Okay. brand that's downloaded it right I think if there's I mean this is just an opinion it's not like 
any kind of like final word on anything. I think if somebody shares somebody's work and the credit is not removed, I, I personally, just speaking personally, do not have a problem with that. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> okay, so th this kind of, I try to organize my thoughts here. Um, John and I, you know, we create a lot of visual content and um, we've definitely had um, intellectual property theft happen where, you know, people take our name off of it and share it as their own. Um, there is almost kind of like this Wild West mentality out there sometimes where um, an attitude of there are no borders, there are no names, there is no ownership, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, 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 that drives some of that. Um, and I'm not okay with that. And I understand that that's not your question. But that, that to, to me, like removing somebody's name from their work is so inappropriate and so wrong. And like, it'd be like, me going into somebody's work office and taking, you know, their names off their, you know, their work and presenting it as my own. Like, I don't understand. And, and this speaks to a larger problem within um, the, you know, in the internet and people in the arts. Uh, I think a lot of times people think that, hey, your work is my work. And like, they really devalue um, creative work. Um, yeah. And I don't, you know, like, like I wouldn't go into a dentist's office and expect free stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. Um, <laughs> artists creating stuff, um, often it is kind of considered, oh, hey, you just do it for the love anyway. So why not <laughs> just, but okay. So we've also been on the wrong end of this unintentionally. Um, one example is we created a meme maybe a year or two ago of, um, you know, different Christmas cookies that are vegan and it just, it sure, it, 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 you know, listed all these different, um, recipes with Christmas cookies with the name of the blog and the original photo and the link to the 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 um recipe page and all that and there were there was at least one person who was really upset that we used her copyrighted image without permission and we just didn't realize that that was a thing like because we had attributed it to this person right. and also perhaps we came in with our own um, bias of, hey, if you want to share my stuff, that's great. Just don't take my name off of it. <laughs> yeah. But there are people who have very, very different attitudes about it. So we tend to now don't, we don't use any image that we haven't created unless we alter it to become a new image. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So John's John's very uh, good at um, Photoshop. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Now that's good advice, actually, because because it, it is a bit of a kind of wild west out there, and it's kind of like yes. what rules apply? Do these rules apply? Something happened recently. Someone posted one of my Forbes articles, but they they put it on their own website without me. The whole thing, oh. headline, everything, without my name in it. I didn't even know about it. Someone oh. alerted it to me, and they commented on it. And then I and then oh. another place did it, and then I contacted them, and they said, oh. Sorry, um, you know, we didn't mean to steal your work. So, but, you know, we have put a link to where your article is. And we're using these automated software called, I think one of them was Feedly, one of them was something else. So I think that's the kind of whole 
other thing that yes. we're going to see happening where, where yeah. brands are kind of, you know, looking for, for quick ways to share content on their website. They don't yeah. want to do the work that you and I do to actually create. Right. No, I have definitely seen that kind of thing before. And I've seen it with my own work where it's just literally being copied and pasted into a new Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so yeah, we've got to educate people. I mean, if they're doing it kind of ignorantly, then obviously yes, exactly. them. And, exactly. Yeah. And I think like what you're saying, I think that sometimes it's not ill intention, just like John and I didn't, you know, have a, a poor intention. We thought it would be helpful that we're directing all these eyes to these you know, blogs and recipes and stuff, but there were, there was definitely at least one person who didn't appreciate it. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. I think the kind of golden rule is if wherever possible, like try to get permission yes, at least. get permission. Yeah. And so now like, because that's too much of a hassle for us because this is free content we're creating. We just don't even, yeah. we, don't, we don't mess with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. So now approximately with your clients, with Vegan Street Media, right. I mean, how approximately what percentage of your clients seek you out because you're vegan compared to non-vegans who just love the work that you do? And I know that's very anecdotal. Yeah, well, you know, we have, uh, so like every, we won't work with any product that, um has animal ingredients. So, um, so everyone is technically vegan, but I would say, you know, quite a few of our current clients are ones that we had even before vegan street media. Um, and, but like, I I would say about 80% of our clients seek us out because, um, we're vegan. Yeah. Got it, got it. So, and I guess with, the, yeah. with it in your business name as well, because we've already yeah. touched on how much we should use it. And when it's in your name, people kind of get that. Although it's interesting, sometimes on LinkedIn, I get the most bizarre requests <laughs> to connect from, you know, people in a meat industry or, you know, have got a company that's, yeah. you know, pharmaceutical, big pharmaceutical. And I'm like, why do you want to connect with me? And sometimes <laughs> I'll just send them a polite message. They're just curious, you know. Yeah. I had someone who was like the head of paleo something in Australia request. <laughs> and I sent them a message saying, you know, just curious why would you like to connect and I never heard back yeah and it very clearly says you know vegan PR you know vegan yeah. and I'm like okay interesting um, yeah, <laughs> so tell us about what some of the benefits of working with an agency like yourself so what kind of things right. can you offer people particularly those who are maybe you know they perhaps don't have the kind of big budgets that some of these sure. companies have yeah, believe it or not, those are usually the ones we attract. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. Um, so we are longtime vegans. Um, so we really understand the market and we have a lot of connections um, within the vegan world. Um, and also we really understand what products are out there. We understand the competitive quote unquote competitors. Um, and so, so that's part of it. We're not just like fly by night. Oh, we're vegan. You know, um, we've been vegan a long, long time. And we've also been in communications for a long time. So I've been writing for most of my adult life. John has been a designer um, since his 20s. Um, and so we both also have, you know, and I, is, I feel like because we're so concentrated in those areas, I also feel like we're getting better all the time. If I may be so bold, um, <laughs> I also think that we can turn things around really fast because we're small and we think well together, John and myself. Um, we, so like say we have an idea for a campaign and we're really excited about this idea, but like 
maybe we figure out at some point that it's kind of a dead end or that there's this other direction that is a better direction. We can redirect our ship easily. It's not like we have to keep, keep moving forward and hit that iceberg. <laughs> so um, we, we can turn on a dime. You know, it's, it's kind of like a lot of times it's a matter of how much mentally are we invested, you know. Um, so, some, so we can turn things around fast. We don't have to get approval from 50,000 other people. We don't have a million other people in our agency trying to get their fingerprints on stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, um, uh, we have a very small overhead and expenses. Um, and... We can, John and I can do a lot in-house. We can do videos, we can do graphics, we can do web content, we do social media, we do recipe development. <laughs> so like, we have like the, 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 you know, we're like an octopus. And sometimes it does feel like that. I've I can got, imagine. But on the <laughs> flip side of that, Marla, because it's yeah. just the two of you, yeah. I'm guessing yeah. there's obviously <laughs> so much you can do or there's only so many projects you can have. Right at one particular time. So how do you kind of manage that with that whole kind of, I guess, time for money thing, which is, you know, always an issue with service. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, we definitely have sort of a roster of people we, you know, we turn to when there's a aspect of a job that we can't do or a client that is just not ideal for us. Um, We, you know, we can either farm parts of jobs out or we can, you know, give whole, um, referrals, you know, out to other people whose work we, uh, trust and enjoy. Um, yeah, but yeah, it does feel a lot of times very bootstrappy. You know, I feel like we can make things look I mean, this is something that kind of blows my husband's mind away because he worked in big advertising before this. And so like doing a campaign for like Kellogg's or, um, you know, before he did Vegan Street Media, he, you know, had like, was on the McDonald's account, believe it or not. I mean, this was like, I don't want to say before Vegan Street Media, before the 19, you know, in the 1990s. (laughs) Let me (laughs) So, um, So just the idea that, we can create so much just using our phones and our computer and, you know, maybe some lights, <laughs> you know, it's pretty remarkable. Um, so the, I would say, you know, it, it's just, it's a lot of work, um, but it's, it's work that we love and work that we enjoy. And it's certainly better than like, you know, doing what somebody else wants me to do. This is all work I signed up for. So I think that's one of the things to remind yourself of when you're feeling overloaded and overwhelmed because you've got, um, you know, you've got a plate of brownies, you know, like a, a tray of brownies cooling in your kitchen for a photo shoot. And then you've got um, a meeting coming up in half an hour and you've got to clean off the dining room table so that you can shoot the tray of brownies (laughs) and your cat cat keeps trying to jump up on the dining room table. (laughs) And then, you know, um, where do we put the lights? Where do we put the, you know, you know, so it's just, it, you know, we're not the most organized 
people, but we have learned to put everything back in its place and <laughs> things like that. Um, we can make things look a lot more. I, I feel like we create a bigger footprint than we actually have. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Fantastic. No, I love that. And it's very good advice. So just finally then wrapping up, Marla, what's your long-term vision for yourself, Marla Rose, and also oh. Brand Vegan Street Media? My long-term vision for myself. Wow. I like that. Well, okay, so not at all in the business realm, but just just I want to be spending more time offline, <laughs> more time <laughs> concentrating on things that I love, like reading and writing and um, getting back into my, my background was also in visual arts. So I'd like to get back into um, printmaking and painting and drawing um, and, you know, relaxing more, taking more vacations, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> if I may guardedly say before, like a lightning bolt comes out and breaks <laughs> me dead. I'm like looking around the room, like, terrified <laughs> um, but so I, I mean I do really feel like I mean it's become such a cliche at this point the whole like self-care thing but I do feel like you know I have really spent a lot of the last six months to a year concentrating on doing meditation and doing yoga and being aware of my emotions before they you know come busting out of me angrily <laughs> Um, so I just think more of that, more calm, more, more pleasure and that kind of thing. But for, um, vegan street media, um, we want to keep building a strong client base, um, and helping these clients build successful companies that are in alignment with their business and their ethical and creative goals. We, we don't want to, um, put our vision onto them. We want to kind of help extract that from them. Um, secondly, this is something I'm really excited about is we're working on an, um, a new aspect of our business, which is um, in consulting, um, consulting companies um, and helping them to tap into the vegan revolution because it's astounding, astounding. Can I say that a third time? Astounding. Oh, <laughs> That's a good word, isn't it? Astounding. <laughs> astounding to me how many businesses, large multi-million dollar companies, roll out vegan items like the Impossible Burger on non-vegan buns. Or, um, oh, yeah. you know, um, it's just like, it's shocking, shocking, shocking to me that there's not been more kind of attention put to that. Um, and the thing is that maybe they're not going just for the vegan market, and that's understandable, but it's a black eye on their product launch when you have a million people asking you about why you're, you know, what kind of buns you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is, because for a lot of these companies, I think their intentions are good. They really, truly do want to offer this. But it's, to them the vegan aspect of it is like reading the Kabbalah. They think it's like so complicated, <laughs> complicated and mystical and strange. So we want to help companies. Uh, we want to demystify that and we want to help them understand why 
the vegan vote is so integral to getting a great boost, you know, um, how they, you know, if they get a great vegan launch of even a few items on their menu that just are unapologetically vegan, but don't require taking off the sauce and taking off the cheese and getting, putting it on lettuce instead of, you know, if we can get those wins that just, that all they have is momentum. You know, they don't have anything breaking that up. So what we want to do is really work with companies to help them um, get those going, you know, because we want we want people to be eating fewer animals and ultimately no animals. Um, and that's part of the picture. And then the last thing that um, is part of our, our big vision is to get deeper into publishing because I have a vision for a book I want to write on, on vegan culture. But, you know, um, and I'd like to have that out within the next year or two. But the, the long-term vision is we really want to help more companies, uh, you know, companies that are established and emerging vegan and non-vegan develop top-notch, top-notch communications um, to promote compassionate choices so that they can lead the way um, to, to, to help lead the way to a more just and sustainable and compassionate future. That's what, that's what we want to do. I love that. And that's a wonderful way to end on. That's perfect. (laughs) I love it. I could definitely get down with that. Thank you so much, Marley. You've shared a lot of really useful information there. It's great to kind of get an insight into what you do and how you do it and some great tips there for for vegan entrepreneurs. So it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Katrina. And thank you so much for all that you do. You're amazing. So that was Marla Rose from Vegan Street Media. You can find out more at veganstreetmedia.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 97. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The launch of vegan confectionery products is up 140% according to research firm Mintel reports FoodBev. The Mintel study shows that between 2013 and 2017, vegan confectionery product launches more than doubled globally. Germany led the way, with vegan new product launches in the sweets category having grown by 252% within those four years. Mintel Food and Drink Director of Insight, Marcia Mogolonski, said, A shift away from animal products is currently underway. There's been a growth in non-dairy milk chocolate, while in sugar confectionery, there's a growing interest in vegetable-based gelatin. Growing awareness of the source of certain ingredients, such as gelatin, in confectionery products is making consumers more conscious in their purchase decisions. Germany is an ideal testing ground for vegan confectionery, as German consumers both like to indulge and are looking for ethical and inclusive products. So this is good news for those of you who make vegan sweet treats, and it's interesting to see Germany, a country renowned for its high consumption of meat, continuing to embrace plant-based alternatives. It just goes to show that change is possible. Dairy conglomerate Danone has invested $30 million in coconut water brand Harmless Harvest. 
The move continues the company's investment into the plant-based sector after its recent acquisition of White Wave in April 2017. Harmless Harvest markets fresh organic coconut water. Founded in 2010, it's obtained the Fair for Life Social and Fair Trade certification, which recognises the company's sustainable business practices promoting social, agricultural and environmental progress. Laurent Marcel, Managing Director of Danone Manifesto Ventures, which led the funding round, said, Harmless Harvest is a unique US brand with a strong consumer base and a great growth potential in the attractive plant-based category. The coconut water brand intends to use the investment to support its growth initiatives by increasing and optimising sustainable production capacity, raising brand awareness and expanding distribution to meet growing consumer demand for refrigerated premium coconut water. So just a month into 2018 and we're already continuing to see large mainstream companies continue to take a stake in plant-based brands. And I think this is a trend we'll continue to see, and it'll be interesting to see the results down the track. Finally, Vancouver has got its first all-vegan cheese store, reports Veg News. Canadian brand Blue Heron Creamery will open later this month, that's February 2018 if you're listening in the future, next to vegan and gluten-free restaurant Friendly Snack Bar. Chef Karen McCarthy, author of The Art of Plant-Based Cheesemaking, told Veg News, One of the main goals for us with the shop is to obviously have a place to sell cheese, but also to engage those who may not be vegan or who may be interested or curious about vegan plant-based cheese and cheesemaking. McCarthy and her business partner Colin Medhurst will host an opening celebration called Blue Valentine on the 15th of February, featuring products from other plant-based companies such as Say Hello Sweets, Am I Vegan Treats and Biota Fermentation. Products at the opening will include Cumulus, a tangy coconut milk-based cheese in several flavours, including fig, herb and garlic, and peppercorn with preserved mayor lemon, Smoke and Spice, a young and aged gouda, Forest, an earthy smoked cheese infused with truffle and chaga, and Cormorant, an ashed, lightly salted cheese. Wow, that sounds yummy. <laughs> McCathy has researched cheesemaking methodology since 2013 and will use this knowledge to inform the new offerings at the creamery. So this is fantastic. The dairy-free product market is one that's growing rapidly and I expect we'll see more dedicated vegan cheese stores like this and the one in Brooklyn, New York, Riverdale. When you think about the huge number of dairy cheeses that are available, there's certainly scope for a lot more vegan alternatives. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business.
I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 